Welcome to the Business Simplified Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring Sam Orders from InExpress to talk to you today. Now, Sam is an amazing millennial who, with his business partner, Sean, started their business straight after uni. So I'll let him tell you the story, but I've been watching these guys for a few years now. And in fact, in 2016, I think it was, they won the Australian Franchise Council's Franchisee of the Year. Now, this is a very prestigious award. It means they were the top franchise outlet of all the outlets throughout Australia, and they came number one and they were still in their 20s. So Sam's going to talk to us about how they put a manager into their business so that they could step out of the day-to-day. So if you're dreaming of being able to have a little more free time, be able to have someone managing the day-to-day of your business, then this is an absolute listen for this podcast episode. But at the same time, if you're not yet at that level, Sam's going to share some really great tips and techniques and ideas that will help you to grow and build your business today. So it's a great interview. I always love chatting to Sam. So enough from me. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tracy Leake, and I've been at every stage of small business from struggling through to success. For the last 15 years, I've been coaching small business owners to have more profit with less stress in their business. This podcast is the how for business. So grab a cuppa and let's get started. Welcome to the Business Simplified Podcast. Hey, just before we jump into the interview, I wanted to remind you to make sure you hit subscribe to the Business Simplified Podcast. What that'll do is it'll make sure it keeps the podcast in your library so for quick and easy access, plus you'll get updates, notifications, letting you know when there's a new episode ready for you to listen to. So let's jump into the interview now. Welcome, Sam. So what I want to do for a start is tell us a little bit about what your business does and and maybe I think because you've got such a great story, how you actually got started in business. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with what we what we do. Uh, and so essentially we provide small to medium sized businesses with their sort of cost effective shipping solutions um, from a, a range of different carriers that we have partnerships with um, globally, but also regionally and locally. Um, and then it's all delivered through the franchise um, with amazing customer service. So they get a better service from us, they get a better price um, and they've got a one stop shop for all their shipping needs. Uh, and how did I get into the business? Well, a uh, bit of a long story. So I, I, uh, I, my best friend and business partner, we went to high school together, met in year seven and uh, in Sydney. And uh, his father worked for DHL at the time, uh, retired from DHL right around the time that we were both graduating from uni. We went to the same university together. And uh, once he retired, he had heard about this company in Express, um, had a friend working with them or consulting with them who we then met at uh, my friend's dad's 50th birthday party so at the 50th birthday party he told us hey you guys are young you've just finished university sam you've studied teaching sean you've studied marketing you've got degrees to fall back on you can always go get a job but i think i've got a, a better idea for you if you're interested after this big celebration for for Lindsay's 50th let's get together and i'll tell you a bit more about it but essentially, it's a it's a franchise system in the in logistics world, and uh, we were interested, and and so then from then on we kind of explored it for a few more months. I think it was, and then uh, at the end of 2012 we bought the franchise of, of InExpress in Sydney CBD. 
I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about how how old you actually were when you got started in business. Like, you know, to come straight out of university and not go into a job, to jump into a business. Like, I, this is not what we're going to talk about, but I'm just really interested for everyone to hear. How hard was it for you to overcome those stereotypes where people had who would say, or you're too young to be in business. You don't have enough experience. You know, you you chucked into the millennial category, you know, and you were in that early adapter stage of that. How many people have sort of said those sort of things to you? Like, oh, you know, you're doing okay in business, but once you've been around for 20 years, it'll be very different. Because I don't believe that number of years in business is about experience. You know, did you, did you ever suffer those sort of, you know, stereotypes of people saying stuff like that to you? Yeah, absolutely. We were 24. So we, and we were going to meet with other business owners and tell them that we were shipping experts and shipping consultants and able to help them with their shipping. And uh, a lot of them looked at us like, what would you know about shipping and logistics and, and things like that? But so it was funny when we started, we actually never told anyone we were the franchise owner or the business owner. We were just sort of the sales reps for the business because we assumed there was a perception that you know, you guys are too young to be business owners. What do you know about business? Uh, you know, you're too, you're too unqualified, so to speak. Um, but we, so we didn't really tell everyone or many of our customers that we were the owners of the franchise. We just went out there and, uh, and, and were the sales reps, so to speak. And, um, that kind of that which that perception changed or we, we felt more comfortable as our confidence grew in what we were doing as we learned more about how to run the business um, and through the franchise you know the franchise or teaching us about business ownership teaching us about the actual business model as our confidence grew and our skill set grew then we became more um, confident in telling people that it was our business and that we were the franchise owners and uh, I think that really then came through in our conversations with other business owners because we were able to relate and they, as we got older, I think they felt more comfortable that we were also a business owner like they were and and uh, they were more open to those discussions. Um, but it was hard and at first, you know, when we were, when we started, when we left university, we, a lot of our friends went and, went and had jobs and uh, and started their careers. We went into business ownership and we didn't really have you know, anyone to, it was just Sean and I. So there was no finance department, HR department. There was no sales department, marketing. It was, everything was done by us, which is the same, right? For any small business, anyone who starts a business, they're going to do everything and wear many hats. But we, um, we didn't have that culture either that big corporations would create. And our friends from uni were experiencing golf days, lunches, work trips, all those types of things that were kind of, Oh, that would be fun to do. Or, oh, look at their Christmas party, and what are we going to do? And oh, look, they went off for did that for Melbourne Cup celebrations, and what are we going to do? And at first, we found that a bit challenging. Like, oh, we're missing out. But a couple of years later, when when we were doing a lot, everything we wanted to do, and not having to necessarily go to an office, and you know, we'd built a very successful residual automated business. Uh, I think the tables turned, and, and they were looking at us about. Oh, how did they do that? And I wish we were doing that. So, yeah, it's um, I'm very proud now to be a, a business owner, and I'm very proud of the business that we've created. Um, and I'm not afraid to tell people that I own a business. Uh, and I think I have now that confidence and also the skill set to 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 say that and to be to be confidently a business owner. 
uh, in Australia. So, I mean, I just love your story. And I, I love the bit about the tables are turning because it's so true. You've got to have some delayed gratification as a business owner that it's going to take some time. And I'm sure many of your mates were pretty jealous when you're taking weeks off an end to go to the Rugby World Cup. And, you know, often every time I was talking to you guys, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go and do this. Or I'll see you at a conference. You're like, oh, yeah, but now we're going to take two weeks off and we're going on a cruise on ship down from Florida to the Bahamas. And, you know, I mean, there's some sweet, <laughs> sweet revenge in there somewhere of knowing that it's worth the effort. But, you know, I've got you here today because I want to talk about having a business that you can then put a manager in place that you can then walk away from and walk away loosely termed because nobody ever walks away from their business, but you're not there in the day to day. So, was it the plan from the start? I know you guys were only 24 and you got started, but did you have somewhere in your head that you were going to put a manager in place in the business? Like, was that the plan at the start or was your plan just to work or no plan at all? It's, uh, it's a good question. We, there was a plan and with the franchise model, it's, it's set up to be able to get to that stage of, of having a manager and having a team running it and you working more, you know, on the business versus in the business. So that's kind of the model that InExpress sells as, as, a, as an opportunity that you can get to. And uh, so, yeah, we, there was a plan at first. Um, it wasn't a detailed plan, but it was always about build up the business, put some people in place and then, and then enjoy the fruits of our labor, so to speak, and actually go and, uh, and no longer work day to day in the business, but actually uh, just own the business and automate that and then just work here and there in the business when needed, but more so just about the strategy and, and driving it forward through, through our team members. It's interesting. The reason I asked that question was because I didn't actually know if you did have a plan or not. I know this is where you've ended up and I can so clearly see that you you could have totally had a plan, but at the same time, I'm thinking, man, you were 24 coming straight out of uni. Maybe you had no plan at all. So it's it's interesting to know that even at that young age, without that experience, you were still thinking differently. Because to be honest, most people getting into business, it's about having a business where they get to work it, like they're replacing, yeah. they're buying a business to replace yeah. their job. Um, and so it's interesting to know that from the very start, you were already thinking that next level of thinking, which is actually kind of uncommon. But I do find this more and more common with millennials. Yeah. Like I work with quite a few millennials, which I'm in the generation above that. Um, you know, as much as I'd love to be in the millennials, I'm a fraction old. Um, but, you know, it's amazing how many of you are thinking like that. And so I know that you're very interested in how millennials think and, and what they're doing. You know, from your experience, from the people you know, because you probably know even more millennials in business than me, do you think that it's a bit of a commonality with millennials that they're actually thinking a little bit different to say, like, I'm not a baby boomer, but baby mm. boomers and millennials are quite different in their thinking. Yeah. Do you think that's something that's come through from your age group to think about not having to work your business like a job, like to have that bigger plan? Yeah, I think... Uh, Sean and I, and, and definitely, definitely um, a lot of our friends are classic millennials, which basically what I mean by that is they love to travel. And we loved to travel all through university. You know, we'd work some jobs, save some money, then the university summer holidays, which are ridiculously long and you don't realize they don't exist in the real world. But anyway, those three or four months we would travel. We did New Zealand, we did Southeast Asia, um, you know, we'd go and just backpack for a long time 
And that's, I think, what a classic millennial does. So when you go into business, you're thinking, how do I continue to travel? And, and what is the best way to do that? And it's to build up this business, have people running it so you can then go off and, and travel. And that's what we continue to do and, and we love to do. And it's funny, you mentioned about the, the baby boomers and pre-COVID, I know there was a lot of always conversations around, oh, millennials, you know, you need to get a job and you should be saving and then enjoy, you know, go traveling in your retirement and you guys travel too much and you eat too much expensive avocado and you should be, stop complaining about house prices, but actually knuckle down and, and start saving. And, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, that, that's, if that's what you want to, want us to do, that's great. But actually we were traveling and enjoying life. And now the baby boomers who are retired, sadly with COVID can't travel and enjoy it. So, you know, there's an element of YOLO and you only live once and you've got to, uh, make the most of now versus the, um, save and, and, and wait till retirement, which in a, in current climate, you know, you can't, you don't have control, and you know we're all. Some of us are at home in lockdown, and some of us are, can't leave our state or our the country we're in, and uh, all those grand travel plans have kind of gone out the window for the moment. And who knows when they're coming back? So um, we're very much that classic millennial who wants to travel, and and that kind of came through in the way we set up our business so that we could do that. And you mentioned before, and one quick story, I'll just tell you. Um, it took us quite a few years to get to that stage and to build that business. But I, I will always um, mention that the 2015 Rugby World Cup, so it was pretty much two and a half years after we started our business, um, three, roughly three years. And uh, that was the moment when we'd realized because we went over to Europe. It was hosted in the UK. We went over there for about five weeks, four to five weeks. And between rugby games, we traveled around France, Italy, and the UK, and uh, while we were there, Sean and I and, and a bunch of other friends, we had one of the most successful months ever in our history of our business until that point in that, in that month we were away. And it was because we had the right team in place and, uh, and we were able to sort of remove ourselves. And that's when we realized that we were building a great business, we were doing the right thing, and uh, we were able to achieve the things we wanted to in terms of travel, and uh, sort of be out of the business day to day, and that uh, that Rugby World Cup was a big kind of turning point to us because 2015. That was when we just realised this was we made the right choice, and uh, I probably will never be a high school teacher, even though that's what I studied for four years. Oh, don't worry, I've got one of those degrees that I'm not quite sure where the degree is. I'm pretty sure it's in bubble wrap in my mum's garage somewhere. So um, maybe I'm more millennial than I realise. <laughs> so how <laughs> difficult was it for you to find? the right person to be your first manager because you know you've you know it's like people having kids not that either of i you or i have done that but you know people always say the first one they sort of practice on um you know so how hard was it to find that right yeah. person to be your first manager what what did you have to go through to make that happen it it was it was hard because it's your same you know, as you just mentioned, it's your baby. You've built this business and you're now having someone else to manage that and there's a lot of trust involved. So it's quite hard to find the right person. Um, and But we decided to look within our franchise system and same for the reasons before I was talking about how we love to travel. One of our, you know, best mates from university had seen us start our franchise and bought one about 12 to 18 months after us. So he was... Um, essentially 18 months behind in the journey of his franchise. And, uh, and so 
we turned to him and sort of said, look, we have a franchise um, and, and you've got one, but if we combine the two together, you manage the overall business, we'll all get a smaller piece of the bigger pie you know, and we'll and you can be the manager and you'll get with that, you know, the security of, um, of, a, of a salary, you'll get the accountability from us, you'll get the opportunity to, to lead a team and, you know, you'll go from being the self-employed franchisee that you are and, and that we are to then being more of a business manager and business partner and, and, and growing our franchise collectively. So we looked in turn and John is our, was our, is our business partner now and, and was our first manager in the franchise that allowed us to sort of exit that day-to-day role and move more into the, the strategy side and also into the hands-off role of just working on the business versus in the business while he did the day-to-day um, managing of the business and, and training salespeople and looking after our customer service team and and so yeah we all benefited because he grew that business and um, we gave him equity in the in the business we gave him an opportunity to grow that equity um, through hitting certain targets but also through tenure we didn't want him to just come in get for example 20 percent of the business and then leave the next year and, and sort of go off and do something and but still own that 20 percent. so we kind of put some things in place that would say you'd earn a certain percentage over time as well as hitting KPIs that allowed us to make sure that we would keep him in the business and, and growing it for a few years, which which worked really well. And uh, and so it was hard even with him because of, you know, like I said, it's you've built this business and you're now handing it over and you've got to trust someone, but that's, that's the step you've got to take. You've got to be able to trust people uh, and give them that power to run your business and and you obviously keep a close eye on it at first but eventually with the right structure in place and the right person and and the right amount of trust then you know you can really move out of that day-to-day operation i think what you've said is is really smart and if anyone's listening and they've sort of missed that point was that it's not easy to bring on the first manager but you did some really smart things of like looking internally, looking to who already understood the business a little bit, but also thinking about what was in it for them. Mm. I think a lot of times people are just trying to hire a manager and they're trying to yeah. cut corners and pinch pennies and, and they're going, right, how can I get the best manager for the least amount of price? Like what's what's the maximum I have to pay them to get someone good instead of going, hey, what about if we do that? Mm. That was the comment you said, we all get a smaller piece of the pie, but it's a much bigger pie. Like you don't necessarily have to bring in a manager and give them equity in the business. And I know you merged with John, so it wasn't so much as a, as a gift. It was he brought some some value to the table as well. But for someone who doesn't yeah. have that ability to merge, that, mm. you know, giving them profit share or giving them targets and bonuses and things to work to, you know, you can bring someone in who's a bit higher quality but is also going to see that, that if they can make it grow and win for you, then it will also win for them as well. How do you feel about that? Like if someone said, well, I'm not going to give equity to someone, but maybe I could give them profit share or, or goals or targets. Do you think that that works really well when you bring in a manager? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you're right. I just mentioned um, we bought John's franchise, in, but obviously without in return for equity in the overall business. So it wasn't, it, it, yeah, we didn't, it wasn't a gift. Absolutely, he, he earned it and it, it was based on the value of his franchise and, and ours. 
Yeah, and uh, so we've actually now done that with our newest manager. So John's no longer in, in the manager seat. He's sort of joined us on the business owner side, but not actually working in the business. And our, our latest manager does get a, a percentage of the profits um, for his efforts. And the beauty of that is he knows it's uncapped. And the benefit of that to us is that obviously if we're paying him decent bonuses, then obviously we're making decent profit in our business. Um, and, and I think that's a real good motivator for him because not only is he getting the salary, not only is he getting um, individual little bonuses, he's also getting a, a benefit from the overall business without the actual equity. Uh, and so that works really well for us and, and for him, the new, the new manager, which is, which is a guy called Rob. But yeah, I think there's lots of different ways that you can uh, pay a manager, you know, and, and the incentives you can provide and the different uh, bonuses and, and different structures around compensation. And it's finding, I guess, what works well for you and what works well for them and what's going to incentivize them to, A, stay around and continue to grow the business because you don't want to be training multiple managers, you know, on a regular basis. You want to have someone that's going to be there for... A, a decent amount of time and you can they can build that business and you can trust them to do so um, and it's also got to be affordable for you and you want to make sure that you know it's a win for you and a win for them and and whatever that may take um, luckily for us um, well Rob doesn't have a driver's license so he doesn't need a car but maybe there are you know if you've got a you know an incentive for someone might be a, a business car right and and all these other things you can think of that can sweeten the deal which will help you and help them both win and, and, and grow that business um, through that manager. So have you found that you need to do things slightly differently now that Rob's in place as an employed manager compared to having John who was a, a business partner? Do you find that that's changed the dynamics a little bit? Is it systems or processes had to change at all to make that happen? Yes, Rob came with John when we first merged our franchises. Rob was a sales rep working for John. And uh, so when we merged the businesses and John started managing the overall business, Rob was still there as a, as a sales rep. And, and then John's now moved out of the manager role and gone on to pursue other things, still an owner of the business. Uh, and Rob has been sort of elevated to that manager role. And uh, he's doing a great job, but it's definitely different to when to when John was doing it because Rob now is somewhat um, on alone. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have John there. He's had to step up into that manager role. He's now responsible for the whole business, and I think he's found that quite challenging. You know, running that whole business without having someone on hand to sort of grab ideas from or, or help. Um, he's also looking after you know you know our customer service team he's looking after sales that we've got a marketing person he's he's managing that whole business while also trying to do sales and, and look after the customers but then he's also reporting to us as the as the shareholders and, and making sure that what he's doing is you know in line with what what we would like and so that's been difficult in the past john when it was john in that seat the communication was very constant very fluid and, and very easy and 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 not saying that it isn't now, but it's unfair to Rob to try and all three of us come at him with different texts and emails and Skype messages. And, and so we've definitely put a lot more structure in place as to how Rob can communicate back to us you know, on a monthly basis with a, with a monthly meeting about the performance of the business because that's going to allow him time to actually then focus on the business and growing it. 
if we were constantly coming at him with three different business owners uh, wanting information or wanting to know things that's just gonna he's gonna spend his whole time dealing with us and not really focusing on the business so we've definitely put more structure in place um, with all our catch-ups more structure around the finance and the accounting side of things um, we've got a bookkeeper in place uh, we, you know as I said we've got we've got a customer service team we've got the sales team so there's more structure definitely within the business because Rob is that manager and, and, and he needs that and we need that as the as the shareholders of the business because I'm in Hong Kong, John's in Brisbane, Sean's in Brisbane, Rob's in Melbourne and if we're coming at him from different angles all, all different times a day, he's just going to drown and that's, you know, he's going to burn out. So we've definitely had a lot more of a, we've had a strong learning curve around the structure of the business and uh, the communication with Rob and the management of Rob. Uh, in order to continue the, the, the focus on growing the business. What I found really interesting with your response there was you didn't talk about lots of systems and processes you needed in place for the day-to-day -day work. It was all around communication. And I think maybe you've actually clinched onto the real thing of why people have issues bringing a manager into the business. It's not the day-to-day, -day. like, you know, if you're going to hire a rugby player to play on your rugby team, they probably know how to play rugby. So if you're going to hire a manager, they probably know how to run the business day-to-day. -day. But what you've actually got there, and with everyone listening, I, I just want to really highlight this because I think I've never thought about it in this way before, like I'm learning from you right now, is that it's the communication key. And it's not just that you guys are all over the world, it's also that communication of not communicating too much with the manager, like overwhelming them. That that was probably the key you said was the, you know, you want them to run the business, not just be talking to you guys all the mm. time. Do you think that's the case for a lot of people when they're bringing a manager in, that they're not getting that communication yeah. piece right? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give a book recommendation to those that are listening. Uh, it's a book called Traction which is by a guy called Gino Wickman. And uh, we heard about it at one of the uh, conventions that we attended in the US, the International Franchise Association's convention. And it's basically uh, a book about structure within your business and the, and the plan that you can follow and, and the different meetings that you might have. And, you know, it boils down and one of the main takeaways for us is, is what they call a vision traction organizer. It's a one page sort of business plan. It talks about your five year target. It talks about your three year picture. What will the business look like in three years? And then it even break, breaks it down to the one year and your quarterly tasks that you want to do to achieve that one year target or that one year one year uh, objective and then it looks at it quarterly and that structure uh, is a great communication piece because we set that one year objectives and then quarterly the things that Rob's doing and, and sort of reporting back on are all in line to meet those that one year objective so if you don't have some sort of structure and and the tool to communicate with your manager I recommend reading traction uh, by Gino Wickman and uh, having a look at the tools they they offer because uh, it's the entrepreneur operating system I believe they call it the EOS system and it's a great tool that we use in our business and uh, and it's been very helpful with us with that communication with Rob like you said and with people all around the world 
um, including t- members of our in- team being overseas. It's a great it's a great piece to help us communicate and all be aligned with what we're trying to achieve. And I think you'll find a lot of people who have teams, especially people that have some remote members of their team. Everybody talks about traction, and you know I think it's a fantastic book followed up by Rocket Fuel. Um, both excellent books you know if you need some organization in your business great way to get started and they've got heaps of information and things you can do so if someone was going to hire a manager in your opinion what sort of um, skills or traits are you looking for um, when you're bringing on a manager what what are you looking for to make sure you're hiring the right person definitely we you need trust. You need to be able to trust that person and you need to be able to trust them obviously with your business, but also you want to trust that they're going to do the right thing when you're not there and as they run that business. So you want to make sure you can trust them. Uh, we look for competitiveness. We want someone who wants to to win. We want our franchise to be the number one franchise in Australia. Then we want it to be the number one franchise in the world. And we want someone who has, shares that competitiveness and shares that approach to want to win. So we definitely look for what we'd call a winner. Um, Definitely someone who's professional. Uh, We deal with a lot of, you know, we're in the service industry. We deal with a lot of businesses. Our customers are businesses. And so we want someone who's going to represent our business in a professional way, in a professional manner. We also want to make sure they have a lot of fun and can take a joke and, and have a joke and have a laugh. We're quite jovial and we like to have fun so we want to make sure that our team members are the same and so you know when hiring that manager we wanted to make sure that they could have fun with us and then also because we wanted to sort of be out of the business and we don't have an office so you know everyone's kind of working from home we want to also make sure that that manager and and almost any employee basically is going to be one of those people that's a self-starter doesn't wait for you to tell them what to do they're just going to go out and make it happen and, and what I like to say is is GSD which is get stuff done um, you can also use another word but um, you know we want someone who's going to just be proactive and uh, and and like you say if you're hiring a manager who's got manager experience you've got to trust them that they've got that experience and they can bring that in and they're going to get stuff done with that experience that they've had as a manager elsewhere and and they're going to take your business to the next level with their with their skill set. So if you're hiring a manager, you probably want to see that they've had some level of uh, management experience. Maybe they've hired someone or, or worked with a team or someone maybe under them because that's also that people person um, skill set. They need to be able to manage people essentially. Yeah, I questioned when you said get stuff done. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you didn't want to say stuff in the middle of that. <laughs> but what I'm hearing from you is is that not only can they have the skills and talents to do the work of the business, but also that they match you culturally. Would that be probably a good assessment on that, that they should match your values and your culture? Yeah. I don't think, you know, people go back and forth. Do we hire someone who um, understands the you know, maybe the product that we're selling or the service and maybe they've got logistics experience and then we teach them the management side of things? Do we hire a manager and then teach them the product? Um or do we just hire the right person? We teach them both, and we we find someone who's going to fit with our culture that we like to work with, that we're gonna that we trust, and that we you know feel that we can build that relationship with. And uh, you can go back and forth saying what what do you need prior, and what can you teach, and what can you train. Uh, but you're right. Ultimately, the, the big question is: Do I like this person, and can I see myself communicating with them and trusting them? 
and you know giving them the keys to my business and hoping that they'll do a great job and if 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 they tick those boxes then the other parts you can you can work with them on you know with you can have coaching you can have professional development you can train them you can do some hand holding at the start whatever you need to do but ultimately you've got to make sure that you like the person and you trust the person and they fit your culture and and that's definitely very important because if you don't have that, then they could be the best manager in the world. But if you don't like them or you don't get along, it's 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 not going to last. It's not going to be a lasting relationship. This is great, Sam. And I've just got two more burning questions for you. Um, the first one is, is, do you think that you need to have the right structure in place in your business, even to the point, the type of business you choose to start? Do you think that's really important to have that structure in place to be able to put in a manager? Like lots of people are saying, I wish I could step out of the day-to-day in my business, but their business just simply isn't structured correctly to put a manager in place. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you, obviously, depending what business you're in, right, you might not be able to uh, start with a structure to have a manager in place. You might be the one that's doing everything. But you want if you want to get to that stage, and some people don't want to get to that stage, they just want to work for themselves and, and be somewhat self-employed. But if you want to get to that stage of, of having a manager, you've definitely got to put some structure in place. I don't think it needs to be there from the start of, you know, inception of your business because you, you plans change, right? People think, I, I read a lot of books, people say maybe um, just focus on the next 13 weeks, you know, the next 90 days and you're kind of just, that should be your thought process and just obviously have an overall strategy of maybe where you want to be in five years, but just focus on the next 90 days, the next 13 weeks and, and kind of go in those cycles. Um, and that's to do with your personnel, with your goals, you know, and what you what you want to achieve in that short time period. So I don't think you need to then almost from day one also have structure in place for a manager. I think that can come later when you're ready to, to move to that. But we're quite lucky because we're in a franchise system Right, so there's a lot of structure in place, and and that's why we bought a franchise because, you know, they've got a very great IT system that actually allows for that to us for allows for us to bring in a manager relatively easy, allows us to still access the system and see the business running, you know, and there's that structure around the operation of the business. Uh, you know, we run our whole business from an IT system, and. I can jump in there right now and, and, and see how the business is going uh, as well as, you know, any one of our, our business, any one of my partners. So we can, we've got that structure in place. But if you're starting a business from scratch, you p- might not have that software. You might not have that tool. And so if you do want to eventually get out of the business, you probably want to make sure there is some structure being built or some, I should say not structure, but some tool being built that you can still access and have visibility on when you're no longer working in the business. Um, but I don't think you need to have that from the start. I think you can build that later on. And, um, you know, as you get to the stage of needing a manager, you definitely want to have systems and processes documented and in place uh, so that you can hand over that manual to that manager so they can continue to, to drive and grow the business. So just to finish up on, what would be your big do's and don'ts for success to bring on a manager and and to build that business up? What should people stay away from? What should they do? What's some tips you've got for us? So I think you need to have experience with hiring someone, you know, and, and having someone work for you bef- before it's a manager. 
because a, a manager is quite a, a, a serious role, and as I've said, you know, you're going to hand over the keys to the to the to the business to that manager, and uh, you want to make sure that you've got a skill set of, of working with someone or having someone work for you. So I definitely think you want to make sure that firstly you've got um, some experience of, of hiring someone and have someone work for you. A couple of do's and don'ts definitely need to have um, trust. You need to have structure. Uh, and, and almost in that communication piece that we've spoken about, what you don't want to do is overcomplicate their role and try and have them doing everything. In our, in our example, we've pretty much removed that finance piece from, from Rob, our manager. We've got a bookkeeper, we've got an accountant, and I kind of do the HR kind of accounts payable type piece from afar. So you don't want to overcomplicate that role. And you don't want to chop and change their what your expectations are from them. You want to have clear set goals and KPIs and targets for that manager and for that business. And you don't want to change those until they're sort of achieved. And we set annual targets and they obviously boil down to what needs to be achieved on a quarterly basis. But we're not changing them on it because that just creates confusion and it's going to, with that misdirection, the, the manager is just going to essentially be confused about what's, what's ex, what, expect, what your expectations are of them. So, yeah, you want to have clear structure, clear communication. You want to have trust. You don't want to overcomplicate their role. You don't want to chop and change your expectations of them. And you don't want to over, be overreaching. And I've seen it happen in, in, in other businesses where someone is no longer in that manager role, they're in a different role, but they have the new manager on a very, very, very tight leash and they are overreaching and almost they don't trust that person and they're too worried to really exit and actually allow that manager that they've hired and that they believe is going to do a great job, actually allow them to do that. And you definitely need to be able to give them that freedom to grow your business for you and you need to and, and yeah you need to be able to basically allow them Sam, that, lots of uh, words that space of wisdom to, there to grow from you today i'm so glad you never became a high school teacher because i learned so much from you in business i think the world would have been far better off that you never became a high school teacher and that you're actually teaching lots of people by leading the way in business and um Love chatting to you. I could chat to you for hours and hours, and I know I have chatted to you for hours and hours before. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast because I think what you've really brought is just some really good ground, you know, ground knowledge, you know, firsthand knowledge of how to do this and how to do it well. And, you know, a lot of people would look at people in their 20s saying, well, what experience have you got? And the amount of wisdom that has come from you, which is why I say it's not about how old you are in business. It's it's about your experience. And, and you guys are, are doing dog years in business. You're doing seven years of business experience per year. And uh, that's why you've come so far since 2012. And <laughs> I really am looking forward to seeing what happens in the coming years of, of where you're headed because, you know, You've got mm. so much time on your hands to continue on and as you expand and, and grow more businesses. So thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us all, um, you know, who exactly should be coming to InExpress? I will put all of the links so that they can come directly through to you. Guys. Well, they'll come directly through to Rob and the team, not to you personally. 
But um, tell us what sort of customers uh, are yeah. the ideal customers <laughs> for you. And I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes so that if you match this, if this ticks the box that this is who you are, make sure that you can go through to the guy's business and they will absolutely give you outstanding customer service. So who's the ideal client? Yeah, great. Thanks. Uh, and firstly, yeah, thanks very much for having me on the podcast and I hope I didn't uh, repeat too many things. I tried to keep it simple. I think business can be simple and keep it easy and, and it's it's not difficult. Just uh, focus on a few key things. Um, but yeah, any any business that's listening, basically small to medium-sized business that has a need for shipping, whether that's domestic, um, interstate, whether it's international shipping, um, if you're using carriers like TNT, DHL, FedEx, any of those, what we like to do is just do a review for that, uh, review of that, sorry, and uh, see how you're doing it and uh, what you're paying, what service you're getting, and uh, see if we can improve those areas for you. And, and we actually consolidate it all to a, a one-stop shop system. So the customer gets one point of contact for all their customer service needs. They get uh, one invoice with all their different carriers on it, all their different shipments, and uh, they get the competitive pricing because you know globally we spend millions and millions of dollars with these carriers and in the logistics world, the more you spend, the cheaper the individual per piece shipment is. So we've got great competitive pricing that we can offer all those businesses out there. And just come to us. We'll do a free review of your current processes and see if we can Im improve them. And if not, then we'll give you a thumbs up and say, you looks like everything's good and you're, you know, you're doing it right. So you don't need us. But uh, often we find many, many businesses we can help. And we've got close to 300 customers, you know, in our franchise working with us on a monthly basis and there's hundreds of thousands of more that we can help. So please reach out and we'd be more than happy to, to see what we can do to help you. And I think from my personal perspective, it's not just about the competitive pricing, it's that they actually offer a service. Uh, there is customer service. You're not, you know, ring this number, push one, push two, and you never get to speak to someone. These guys actually help you. So, you know, they're working with their customers to get a result. Yeah. I just and I'll give you a, just a quick example of that. Sorry, um, I know we're winding up, but that is a big difference that we have. You know, people can go direct to a carrier and 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 still you know still use the carrier. That's fine if they want to do that. But the level of customer service they get is is not going to be customized. And and one example is we have an e-commerce business, a women's clothing brand. They wanted an update, almost a, a daily report of where all their shipments were. And we were able to do that because we can do whatever we want because we can, it's our customer service team. We're not pigeonholed into doing it the FedEx, DHL or TNT way as a customer service person. So we created a report, we'd send it to them every night and they would see where all their online orders are, which ones are being delivered, which ones maybe, uh, you know, um, out for delivery, which ones are in customs, which ones have, um, you know, have left Australia, which ones have arrived in America, things like that. We sent that to them on a daily basis. Then they realized, okay, wow, we don't need it daily. Let's just get it once every couple of days. We were able, then we changed that. And now we just send it to them on a weekly basis. So there's all these different customized ways we can provide a level of service around logistics to the individual customer, which the carriers won't do. They won't do that, especially for a small to medium-sized business. They haven't got time to try and generate these reports and you know answer your calls. And, and we know your business, and uh, so we know what works what you need to know and, and we'll work with you to provide whatever it is that you need so that's why i think we we can really help the sme customers in in, in australia and, and that's what we love doing so yeah reach out and we'll we'll see what we can do and i think that's a perfect example of why you've done so well of having a manager in place because you actually understand tailoring things to people's needs 
So I'm going to end on that point. Thank you so much for joining us, Sam. Really appreciate it. Learned heaps from your your sharing with us. So thanks for joining us. And um, I hope maybe I'll, I'll drag you on again one day in the future for sure. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. Did you know that nine out of every 10 business owners complain that they simply don't have enough time? I believe that not having enough time is one of the greatest excuses that holds small business owners back from their true potential and the profits they deserve. We've all been taught our entire lives that being in business means working around the clock to achieve success because business is supposed to be hard, right? I believe business should be simple. And this is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Time. I wanna show you how to take control back on your time, how to think about time differently, and all with simple strategies that take no time to implement so that you then have the time to create the success you desire. And the best part is, the program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.tracyleek.com slash time and we can get started right now.